following episode of the Comics and Crypto podcast is for informational purposes only, and anything expressed by the hosts or their guests is solely their opinion. This podcast does not constitute financial advice, and anyone wishing to invest should seek their own independent financial or professional help. Have fun, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Sean O'Hare, and I know comics. Hi, I'm Spencer Vogel, and I know crypto. Hi, I'm Kevin Lee Loader, and I don't know sh- This is the Comics and Crypto Podcast. Comics and Crypto Yeah, it's been a blast to see the collectible space grow over the past just couple of years. And especially with the community that we connect with, with the VV community, a lot of them started with digital collectibles first. And now they're getting more involved in the physical space, which is really exciting to see. And a lot of them are, are newer collectors. What's what's a good piece of advice you'd give to new collectors? Or new collectors, new collectors that are investing in collectibles? I think it's really important to to have a vision about what your collection is going to look like. If your if your goal is to fill a closet with long boxes, that's really really easy. You just go to a few yard sales, and you will end up with a closet full of long boxes. But you know the kind of people we buy collections from typically never read their comics. So, what is your goal? Like, is your goal to buy a collection that you're going to enjoy by reading them? Is your goal to make some money? I mean, I have very strong thoughts about that. If that's your goal. Uh, is your goal to just be a completist, like say pick a spectacular Spider-Man, you can't afford Amazing Spider-Man and complete the run? Um, maybe that. Um, do you buy certified books or raw books? That's another big decision because the, the the financial implications of that decision are huge. If if you're looking to get into collecting physical comic books for a reason beyond the money, then what's the point of buying certified books of, of, of certain types of book, right? So if you're looking at, uh, go back to Spectacular Spider-Man, there really is no point spending four times or six times or 10 times as much to own the keys of that run in slabs. You know, if, if your goal is to, to complete the run and you might even want to read them, well, just buy them raw. I mean, they're pretty common books. You can pick up most of them at yard sales. And that comes back to what I said earlier about the thrill of the chase. Uh, anyone can go on eBay and buy pretty much any book they want, they can afford. Well, there's not much fun in that, really. Collecting for me, when I started as, as a collector years ago, was about going places to look through boxes and find the things myself. Like anyone now with the internet can just go out and buy what they want but and then wait for the mailman. But there's, there's not, much, not much joy in that. that. That seems a bit soulless. So if if your goal is to enjoy your hobby, then maybe one of the ways to do that is to rule that you can only buy a certain amount of them online and the rest of them you have to go to shops or conventions i mean that's what people always used to do that's how people used to buy comics before the internet existed and yeah there were lots of people who got their fingers burned by dealing with the wrong kind of dealer but we're talking about people who spent big money on big keys that were restored or whatever we're not talking about that for most people most people who are just like interested in starting out I would, I would clearly, I'd definitely say set yourself a budget and don't go over it. Coming back to money, I mean, there's, there's nothing worse than having to sell your collection because you've run out of money and you've got a credit card bill and you can't afford and you went a bit nuts yeah. and, and now you, you've got to sell something. There's nothing, there's no worse feeling than having to sell something that you love because of the money, like you've run out of money. So yeah. set out with the goal of 
you know, I'll spend a hundred bucks a month on my hobby and, and it's my hobby and, and no one's going to tell me what to do with it. And that could still mean getting a loan for five grand to buy that, that grail that you've always wanted and paying it back at a hundred dollars a month. Yeah, it doesn't, it's not about what you're buying. It's, it's how you're buying it, I would say. And, and, you know, don't set yourselves up for, up for failure like me. Like I'm never going to own a detective 27 most likely. So if that was my, my absolute end goal, I'm already, already setting myself up for disappointment. When I started out as a journalist, um, I had this vision of 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 writing novels, and I love reading Stephen King novels. But if my definition of, of success is I want to be Stephen, the next Stephen King, there's only one thing that's going to happen from that. I'm going to be disappointed. I'm, I'm not selling ten million books a year. What if I sell a thousand books a year? That might actually be considered success by many people. So maybe scruffy little collection is is actually a success in your eyes. And, and giving yourself achievable goals or at least realistic ones is a way of enjoying a hobby that might become a, a burden. In the 90s, I think it became a burden for many people. They would they got into the trap of buying all the all the shiny covers that were coming out and trying to complete everything and, and going to their comic book stores and putting down an order for everything that was published that month. And they'd get a phone call and it's like two, it's twelve hundred dollars of new stuff and you're like oh god i can't even afford that right now now i'm gonna go overdrawn to to pay for that and then that's the whole, the whole thing kind of collapsed so try and avoid the madness that's, that's what i would say that's really good advice especially like what you're saying about the the hunt because i mean like as much as you know it's great to go on ebay i i truly do enjoy going out and i mean just like a few weeks ago sean and i went out and we went to a bunch of thrift stores and you know we, we found some guy who had a huge collection we're, we're looking at like vhs tapes is one of the things we're collecting right now and we found this guy who had you know probably a thousand vhs tapes in his garage and it, you know it was a two-hour drive but like you know you know, this part of the fun is just going out and it's an adventure and we found some stuff and it was a great time. And you never know what you're going to find when, you, when when someone calls you. Like That was one of the things I really loved about, about owning my own business and, and, and buying and selling collectibles is that you never know what you're going to find. Many, many times we've, we've found keys that weren't described in, in the list correctly. So, you know, like Brave and the Bold 28 is described as JLA 28 quite frequently um we've had a couple of occasions in the 10 years or so since i've been doing business that someone sold me an af15 thinking it was a spider-man 15 you know that those kind of things happen yeah not very often but they do and sometimes you know sometimes it can be simple much much less less impactful than that but still fun like a double cover double covers are not obvious until you go to open it and it's like oh there's a double cover we have a batman 37 that was a double cover um, I say was because the outside cover was a rag and it looked awful. So when we realized it was double cover and the inside cover was really, really nice, I said to Sean, do you really think we should keep the outside cover? I know it's, it sounds like sacrilege, but some people are actually put off by double covers because they have a weird grading on the label. It looks different. And I was like, let's just remove it. It's a rag. And it got a 9 two. So we actually, that's a really cool cover as well. It's a, it's a Joker cover with the, the Joker symbol being beamed into the sky, like the bat symbol. Oh yeah. 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 And it's an early one. I think it's 1942. I think something like that. There was a comic book shop called heroes comics. And uh, somebody came into their comic shop with a couple comics. Apparently he bought at a yard sale, $150 worth of comics, just a, you know, just a long box. Went through them, went through them, found an AF 15 and it was a five Oh grade. Ended up getting the graded. Oh. Yeah. He <laughs> got it for like $150. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. That crazy. 
They're out there, guys. It's possible. I was gonna say that that's why consistency is so important in this hobby. It's like just stick with it and you never know. Something like that might pop up. And even if it doesn't, you you can still you'll still end up with stories. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, stories about collections I didn't buy and stories about collections I wish I hadn't bought. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and it doesn't have to be super expensive stuff. It, it could just be, you know, like the experience was either so good or so bad, you know, kind of fantastic conversation with this guy. We went to Denver and bought his collection and and he was super paranoid uh, to the point where we, we he wanted to meet us at the bank because he had his stuff in, in deposit boxes, but he didn't even trust the bank staff to know what he had. So he insisted that the bank staff brought the boxes in without opening them and put them on a, on a boardroom table in the bank. So he rented this room in the bank and then he made them close all the blinds. And then he, he said, you all have to leave except me and Sean and him. <laughs> and, so he didn't want anyone to know what was going down. I mean, that was kind of fun, but then he was, he turned out to be a super nice guy. And we, we do have a rule, which is we never, never socialize with customers because the only experiences we'd had up to that point were really bad ones. But this guy who was so kind, he's a really nice guy. He enjoyed, enjoyed dealing with us. And he said, look, come and have a whiskey at my place. I've got an old box of bronze age. You can just have it. And uh, we went back to his place and had a whiskey with him and he got this box down. It wasn't super valuable stuff. It might be 500 bucks worth of stuff at the time. But he gave us this, he, he he collected butterflies. So he had these butterflies, you know how they were pinned to little mm-hmm. cards and then put into a box. He gave us this butterfly. I think Sean still has the butterfly on his desk. And and, and so it is a people business, really, when it comes yeah. down to it. You buy and sell stuff, but that stuff has come from somebody. It's, it's nice when you have a nice interaction with a customer. And so that's why I think it's really good to get out into the real world and stop being on eBay and actually go out and, and hunt stuff down because... You can just have a conversation with somebody and that could be worth the trip. I love that you said that because I, I have yeah. actually established some lifelong friendships from Comic-Con events. And even within the community that we've recently met over the past year, there's definitely some lifelong friendships. Like I, I recently went to a wedding in the Isle of Wight because of somebody I met from the VV community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. That's I went there cool. last summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was our first time meeting. Cool. I never I never met him before. Yeah, big shout out to Danny. <laughs> So I don't know now that we've now we have eight billion people on the planet. I don't know if this is still still true, but a, a trivia question that came up in Trivial Pursuit in the UK edition, because every Trivial Pursuit is different, uh, was uh, which which part of the United Kingdom could every person on the planet stand on at the same time? And the answer was the Isle of Wight. Apparently, someone calculated that every single person in the world could like, it wouldn't be very comfortable, but you could all stand shoulder <laughs> to shoulder. And the Isle of Wight would would accommodate every single person. And it's not a very big place. So it shows you, like, we, we t- tend to take up more space than we need. That's amazing. Wow. So moving on to Golden. Um, so Golden has done a phenomenal job of marketing a lot of its collectibles drops and collectible sales. And I know you're, you're still pretty new with the company, but I'm curious, you know, what your take is on, you know, what has made them so successful and what they've done so far. Well, the first thing I would say is, is that Ken is a legend. Like, Ken Golden was the founder. He still works at Golden. And he's still a leader. Uh, he leads the sales meetings. He's very inspiring. Like just listening to him talk, he doesn't take any prisoners. He'll tell you if he's upset <laughs> about something. You have no um, ambiguity about Ken. Like he 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 spells it out exactly how he wants things to do. But he's very positive. Uh, at the same time, he's exceptionally good at marketing. Like so, he'll go on TV and and he's talking on. I see. I think it's MSNBC or something like that. They, they interview him and he's talking about the company. I'm like. 
how much did he have to pay them to let him sit there and talk about this for five minutes? And the answer is nothing because they invited him on and it was a free spot. <laughs> it was just just because he's so good at 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 saying like this is a fascinating. We're we're selling the the hand of God. Yeah, that I was going to say that. I just, I just saw that. Just saw that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> So it is so cool. I mean, I, I still remember that match. I was a big England fan back in the day. Still am. So f- to hear that, and 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 I guess something like the the Judge sixty second home rumble we sold recently. Uh, again, I mean, I don't know much about baseball. In fact, I think you just heard everything I know about baseball. Um, but, <laughs> but the fact that Golden uh, re- recognized the value of of being the company that sold that, it, I don't think it was really a financial thing. It was more like. We want to be the people that people come to when they find something as cool as that. Yeah. And, and that's how Golden have been successful. They, they do these things. We did this thing just after I joined. They went to AMC and we sold a bunch of the Walking Dead props from the, the TV show. Of course. So oh, I think wow. the most expensive one was, was um, um, Lucille, the, the baseball bat with the barbed wire wrapped around it. Um, but we also sold, I think, uh, hats and guns and, and I think a motorcycle as well. And, uh, at the time I was thinking, well, you guys missed a trick because this was a comic book before it was a show and you yeah. should have had some comic books in there. But even so, it, it, it was, it was an amazing deal because we got hundreds of people to, to join our company, like to sign up for golden accounts because they were watching this on, uh, the talking dead. We're talking about this auction, yeah. and even if they didn't buy anything, now they know that Golden exists, and so yeah. it's it's things like that, and the God Ball, and 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 the Aaron Judge thing, and just just the fact that it's creative thought. That's what Golden's really good at. It's 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 thinking it's slightly differently, and then executing on those thoughts and making things happen that other people might just say, well. We just missed out on that item. You know, we, we offered them a good deal, but they went with Golden. No, it's much more to it than that. There's there's something, there's some magic ingredient that that other companies don't have. And I think that's why Golden it will eventually become number one in comic books because we have that creative spark and the energy to make those things happen. And we're well, gradually- have you, so. Amazing. Well, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to say that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so modest <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's been a blast watching the content really stuff especially on instagram i mean following instagram and tiktok and mm-hmm. and they they make collectibles yeah. sexy i really i mean mm-hmm. it is a blast watching their content released every day and i really enjoy it big time yeah i think it depends what you're into so um we obviously are now starting to release more comic book content on, on those uh, platforms but it wasn't a big focus for golden in the past um but yeah they they're very creative they're they're funny like quite frequently very funny viral is a word that's used way too much but but there are things that we create that that could have viral potential and quite often i mean we were talking about 40 50 60 seconds to get someone's attention those little short things are, are, are very successful and and memorable which is important and we are flooded. When you think about uh, what was it? YouTube was what fifteen years now. It's been been around or so, something like that. Back in the day, if you uploaded a video to YouTube, you were one of a hundred thousand or something. And now it's billions of videos. And uh, so to stand out in in that kind of field, you need to have exceptional people. We have exceptional content creators, 
and I admire their, their work really, really well. I worked with uh, the team actually recently doing a new series called um, the Golden Comic Book Hall of Fame. I wanted to find a crossover between sport and comic books because our, most of our customers up until now have been sport customers. So I wanted something that would, they would recognize. So the Hall of Fame thing is, I think, a, mostly a US sport thing. Um, but then bringing that to comic books. So I've done a series of videos on that. They're going to be released in the next couple of weeks. And every year we'll induct new comic books into the Golden Comic Book Hall of Fame. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. Two, yeah. Well, from year two, we'll do two two choices and we'll get people to vote. And so nice. it'll be the audience that that helps to induct comic books. I love that. That's awesome. Does it also give uh, new collectors a frame of reference? Like these are some of the biggest comic books of all time. Yeah, and, and not just that, because the danger of doing something that obvious is that you end up with just the the super unre unaffordable books that no one can ever aspire to own. Um, so some of the books that are in the Hall of Fame are ones which you'll recognize, like uh, Secret Wars Eight, for example, is is a Hall of Famer. Not because it's worth a ton of money. It's it's quite expensive, but it's not it's not unreachable for the average person. Right. It's not really that. It, it was it was special because we're talking about 1984 now, and until 1984, Marvel's universe was still very terrestrial. There were moments of intergalactic stuff like Fantastic Four. There's a lot of that, um, but that was very much a niche in Marvel. We still hadn't ever got to the point where Ultrons were going to come down on New York City out of a hole in time and and stuff like that and and i think that uh superhero secret wars 8 was the alien costume like really aliens landing on earth properly for the first time in the marvel universe and establishing that as a this is going to happen a lot from now on moment so that's a big one the other one i think is worth talking about is um the wedding of of peter parker and gwen stacy which is so bizarre, this this comic that was published only in Mexico. Uh, it's called, I'm going to try and try and pronounce it. It's really hard to say. Uh, El Sorprendente Hombre Araña, number 128. I had to say that a lot when we we're doing the videos. Um, <laughs> number 128. So it's a really famous cover. It's uh, Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy getting married. We have bright yellow background. And what happened was that Mexican fans of Spider-Man were so incensed that, that she died that they wrote thousands of letters to the company and then they lobbied Marvel and said, well, can we keep her alive and do a completely different storyline? And, and Marvel, for some reason, said, sure, go ahead, go for it. So so for Spider-Man collectors, there's this whole other um, continuity only published in Mexico. If you buy them, you're just literally buying them because you're going to have them. But they were they were published only in Mexico and the art, the cover art is all local. So it's it's totally different to any of the other amazing spider-man covers up to which time they just published reprints they looked exactly like the u.s ones pretty much so it's a fascinating book that that changed the whole path of I mean, when you think of what the mess they made with the clone story here and, and uh you know amazing spider-man 149 where spider-man's clone fights spider-man and it's written so obliquely that we're not even sure which one survived is the clone spider-man now or is spider-man spider-man now who won we don't know and the gwen stacy clone and like oh, what a mess like what a mess and and the mexicans had it right oh uh, she's not dead it's like <laughs> an episode of, of dynasty or dallas back in the day when the character was so popular <laughs> when they killed him off they're like oh no we can't we can't kill him off we'll bring him back it was all a dream <laughs> 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 
the dream and Bobby Ewing's alive and oh my God, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so that book is really fun. So I, I tried to mix it up and not have just like, the, of course, Action Comics number one is in there. Um, Detective 27 is not because I didn't want it to get to the point where all 10 books every year are so un, unattainable that, that no one could really own them ever. So, so maybe year two, it'll make it or year three, it'll make it. Yeah. yeah. So, so something like, um, well, sport, the, the hall of fame thing, people identify with the, the people that get inducted into the hall of fame because they grew up watching them play baseball, football, whatever it is, uh, basketball. So I wanted people to have a connection. So I try to mix up the years. And so there's some modern ones too, like edge of spider verse two is in there as well. The, the Greg land variant, because that was the first variant that actually got expensive. All these variant covers, there are some that are still like worth $10 and $15 if you find them and, and they're not that exciting. And there are others that are worth thousands, but that was the first one that really broke broke out and became really expensive. And it's cool. It's a cool book. So I included that. Very book. cool. And yeah, so that's the Hall of Fame. That's coming soon. But to add to your point, we, we really believe that 98% of the NFTs and digital collectibles in the market right now are probably going to crash and burn. But the ones that are going yeah. to survive and thrive are the ones, the licensed collectibles, the ones with the biggest brands. That's why we only focus majority of my, for myself personally on Vivi because they're all licensed collectibles from Marvel, from Disney, 